Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. Thank you for listening. And those of you that are praying for my husband, I wanted to let you know that he he is slightly improving, which is which is great. Progress is progress. So praise the Lord for that. And if you want more details on that, I did just write a blog about it. Um, but basically, as an example, his oxygen yesterday was at 92 when he was not talking or moving or coughing. And uh, when he did talk, it was only dropping to like 87 and um that's a big improvement and that's that's with him still being on i think he was on 10 liters at that time but i'm not sure it could have been more um he's on a non-rebreather mask and he's extremely weak he can't like walk or stand up and the mask is on at all times He's been sitting in a chair, a, you know, a hospital recliner type chair. He can't, you know, get in the bed and lay down because of the pneumonia. They might try him laying on his stomach, which is a, is a thing they're doing with COVID patients and maybe other pneumonia patients that they find can be helpful uh, for the lungs. But he's six foot five, and you know he's so weak that just like getting him on in that position on the bed is not going to be easy. But I think he may try it today. Um, so I just wanted to say some positive things that have happened during this experience today. This is day. This will be day six of him being in the hospital. So five nights. And, you know, I just want to say that I know there's a lot of people out there in the world that have been in hospitals for a very long time. So six days doesn't sound like much to you, but six days for someone who, you know, was just going about their life and then suddenly got a virus, six days feels like a really long time, especially when you think you're going to die. <laughs> so it's all relative, right? We all, we all are just living our own lives. And then when, you know, something crazy happens to us, we think it's the worst thing in the world. And then we suddenly get a better understanding of the, the bad things that are happening to other people in the world. And we're like, wow, I I should have been more compassionate towards those people because this is really hard to to deal with. And it's not that we didn't care about those people before, but it's just a side effect of suffering that we become more aware of suffering. And I think that's one reason, I mean, we as Christians, we... We learn 
to trust God through suffering and we learn to, to love other people more through suffering. I mean, it, of course, it can go the other way. You can become more bitter or more um, angry at the world and angry at God and angry at your circumstances. And that's a really sad effect of suffering for some people. But if you cling to Jesus, if you know your 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 scriptures in the words of God, then you you can get through the hard times and come out better. And uh, Tony Evans had a really awesome sermon the other day on his podcast called The Alternative. And I really recommend it. Um, he he talks about you know the 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 different people in the bible the saints the 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 famous people that we know those were just regular people and they went through really tough experiences and that changed them into the the heroes that we think of you know they weren't just they weren't just like that, like Moses. You know, Moses was not the best person, and he ran away, and he he, he thought he, he was prideful, and he, you know, killed a man. And, you know, I mean, in his own mind, he was doing the right thing, but he was he was not listening to God. He was just doing what he thought was best, and that's what a lot of us do. We... We make up our own, um, you know, rules because we, we are, we're prideful human beings and we don't consult God. But when we're in a suffering situation, such as illness or financial difficulties or, you know, name your favorite suffering, marriage, relationships, whatever... Um, if we can turn to our God and, and ask him for help and trust him and, and here's the key, if we can humble ourselves, if we can let God break us down to get rid of all that human pride, all that knowing it thinking we know more than God, if we can let ourselves be like a child and have that faith that God is in control, that God loves us, and not just that, but that he really is more powerful than us, then is when our faith can just really take off and God can start to actually use us because he can't really use someone who is not totally submitted. I mean, you might think you're doing good things for God, but you're you're probably doing your own thing for God. God needs to be able to just man, you know, manage you or he needs to be you need to be serving him in his power and that takes that takes a lot of submission and some of us are very strong-willed 
we're we're a lot of people that are smart are also pretty strong-willed. So you know, I think that's why it's so hard for people who are like scientific or academic who are, you know, they think a lot, they analyze, they they can understand complicated things. They have a hard time understanding the the idea of servanthood, the idea of submitting to someone else being in control. Um, it just doesn't come naturally to them. So if God wants to use one of those kind of people, which he does, then he might let you go through some really tough times to to help you break that self-sufficiency habit that you know science is your god or logic is your god or pragmatism is your god or whatever is your god your your own your own self is your god god will will put you down so low that you got nothing left but god and it's really a good it's a good thing as terrible as it feels at the time i mean that's who we want to be is we want to be god's servant like that we want to be because that is the best place to be everyone else who is who is not in that position is actually the they're the ones who are the weakest and the bible says that when we're weak he is strong so that's the safest place to be is in the hands of God. And it's just goes against the human mind. You know, some people, a few, a few, there's a small number of you out there that it comes naturally to and you easily submit. Uh, but then there's a, a lot of us that are so fearful or so confident that we don't we don't think we can let go of our own control or we we just feel like we don't realize our need to let go so you i was going to share a couple of examples of positive things that have happened during this this experience and even when it first started I just knew in my spirit that God was in it and that doesn't mean that at any time I have enjoyed this but so remember my my son got sick August 1st so I've literally been in this trial for the entire month of August today's the 24th I think I'm really losing track of what day it is. I, The days seem really long and also like they're going by too fast. Like I can't, I can't even, you know, read a book or I just like it's time to go to bed already. I'm so tired. And so when my son first got sick, 
I was really worried about him, but I was like kind of prideful in my own mind of, oh, I, I already had COVID. I, you know, I didn't really like take precautions at all. I didn't wear a mask. I would only wash my hands, you know, when I remembered. I wasn't, you know, like super careful about washing my hands. And, you know, I was going in his room. He was staying in his room while he was sick most of the time because he was mostly sleeping. Uh, But even when he was awake, he was staying in there. But he was coughing quite a bit. So, you know, I would go in there. I would give him breathing treatments. I would bring him food. I would give him medicine. I would check his pulse ox numbers, his oxygen numbers. I would take his temperature. You know, I was touching him. I was right in his face a lot. But I thought since I had COVID, you know, in October of 2019, oh, I'm not going to catch it. You know, I'm immune. Well, obviously I did catch it. And so he started it. it. It took me, it took me a good um, week to get it. Maybe over a week. Maybe eight days, nine days, for for my symptoms to to kick in. So probably my body was um, fighting it off at first, but then the more tired I got, um, you know. I gave in. And also, just as an aside, they're starting to see that men, men are having a harder time with this virus. And they think that the women that have progesterone, you know, are more likely to be able to fight it. That progesterone is somehow, you know, a protective thing. And our bodies are so complex, I couldn't tell you how that works, but it is a known thing that progesterone does contribute to immunity. So they're thinking that that has something to do with it. But so like if, if, you're, if you're a younger woman you are, and you have normal hormone levels, you're going to have more progesterone. So hopefully that's going to help you. But if you get the vaccine, they're saying that that's affecting hormones for women, like causing miscarriages, causing heavy bleeding, which tells me it's going, it's dropping your progesterone because low progesterone is what causes miscarriages. So that's kind of a really scary thought. But anyway, so when I, I got sick, you know, I, of course, said a prayer about it, and I started, you know, my fear level started to rise that other people in the family were going to be sick. And, oh, excuse me, it's like 5 a.m. Because my husband texted me from the hospital at 4 a.m., so I decided to just wake up and make a podcast. Um said he was cold and that the nurse wasn't a very good one so I had to text with him a little bit but anyway um I I started having symptoms on a Friday 
and was, you know, fever, headache, um, burning pain in my, in my sinuses, fatigue, you know, all that. And then on, on Monday, my husband came home from work and said, I think I'm sick. And by, you know, by the next morning, there was no way he was going to work. He was definitely having fever. So he was, he called in to work. So he has not worked for two weeks. And we don't know what the future holds with that. And yesterday I got a hospital, I got a doctor bill from an insurance EOB, you know, explanation of benefits for a, a doctor visit that I went to in July when I was having like a mystery illness. And uh, it said that it the doctor was out of network. And this is a doctor who told me, you know, oh yeah, I take that insurance. So now today I have to call and find out what the deal is because I'm not paying that $500. <laughs> so praying for that. But anyway, um, the important story that I'm trying to get to is my husband was getting worse and worse. I was worse and worse. I'm fighting, you know, we both went to the doctor. We're trying to get, we're taking ivermectin. We're just waiting for it to kick in, but it never really did for him. It it, it may or may not have helped me. I, I obviously got better and he didn't. We took the five days worth of, you know, a Z-pack, azithromycin, and we were on prednisone and I called his doctor, and she said she couldn't do anything else. And that's a big red flag. That's not true. She should have put him on monoclonal antibodies. And I wanted to say, okay, I've done a lot of reading, and and this is what the news, the media is actually even saying this now. Monoclonal antibodies are your your best option it okay as long as they don't start like restricting the use of them to only vaccinated people which I hope they don't because if you're not vaccinated and you get sick your best bet is to get the monoclonal antibodies and you will most likely get well very quickly and this is the this is what they're showing. This is happening already. So then you now have the antibodies and you don't have to get the vaccine. And you also have the natural antibodies because you got sick. You got the virus. But the the dose of monoclonal antibodies will help you get well faster, like really fast. So what you have to do is call your doctor and you say, well, you're going to have to take a test and no one likes that. It's very uncomfortable. Go get your COVID test 
and call your doctor and say, I, I have COVID symptoms and I want to get the monoclonal antibodies. And they will have to give you a prescription and send you to a location in your area that has them. And it, it's going to seem like a lot of work, but you, you know, so you might want to find out some information in advance. But hopefully your doctor will know what's going on. If not, call another doctor. Because that could keep you out of the hospital. That could keep you from dying. And especially if you are a man over 50 or even in your 40s, your risk of being hospitalized with pneumonia is higher. Now, not everyone gets pneumonia. But if you do, it's very serious. And the hospitals are full. The hospital, the ICU units are full. I mean, this we are in a total crisis in Texas. We don't have enough nurses and we don't have enough ICU beds because we don't, you know, it's kind of a both things. Not enough staff, not enough beds. In the high in the whole state of Texas, there's only twenty one hundred ICU beds, and of course, you know Texas has millions of people. So, get your antibodies, and then you'll most likely get well and won't have to worry about that problem. So, what was the good thing that happened? The good thing that happened is that. Someone we know that was not, had not accepted Jesus as their Savior. When they heard about my husband being sick, they, they turned to Jesus. And this is someone who was a lifelong skeptic, atheist, agnostic, whatever, uh, despite, you know, despite awareness of the gospel. So the good that's really 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 awesome. So thankful praise the Lord that this person is saved and praying for them to 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 read their bible and get to know Jesus and to submit to God fully. Uh this person's a really, you know, awesome cool person and you know, I'm so thankful to know that they're going to be going to heaven. So, what other good things have happened is I've I've just seen how many good people really do care about my family. And, you know, with the COVID and with politics, it's been hard. You know, there's been a, so much division and it's really sad because... The love of many has grown cold, as the Bible says will happen in the end times. And, you know, we're talking about long-time relationships that have been just, like, so damaged by the the hate for Trump and the, the questions about, you know, what to do about police violence and so many things, you know, guns and 
people who have strong opinions on both sides and they just can't like get past it to see that, hey, we, we both want the same thing. We just want a safer world, a fair world, um, you know, but we just have different opinions on the best way to achieve those goals. Um, and that it's all satanic division. So one good thing about this virus and this, you know, my husband being so sick is I did reach out on Facebook and through texts to people everywhere, like all my friends and family, all my Facebook friends, everyone I know, I have been asking them to pray for John because I really have been terrified, not not just, you know, I mean, for good reason. And I know that God hears prayer and he wants us to pray. He commands us to pray, especially when someone is sick, but for, for every need. And I do pray, but he, he loves it when all his people pray. He wants to hear that and he responds to that. And, um, there's literally hundreds of people praying for my husband there's also been like specific people that I've been able to communicate with, you know, individually. And, you know, I've been able to kind of reconcile with some people that have had been sort of cut out of my life due to all the stuff that I was just talking about, all the politics and all that. So praise God for that. And, you know, I really hope that we can continue you know, staying in touch. Um, you know, there's also been some hard times. There's been people that have kind of directly or indirectly, you know, criticized us for not getting the vaccine. And I know these people, they just don't understand our our reasons because mainly because they are exposed to different information and they, you know, either immediately or eventually decided that the vaccine was safe. And, you know, I totally get that. And they, you know, they've had the vaccine and they they didn't have side effects. So they just think that it's that way for everyone. But there's a lot of other people that have had side effects, including disability and death due to the various vaccines or their side effects. And we still don't know, we still don't really know the long-term effects of this new technology that's being used as a vaccine that is actually gene therapy. So there's there are millions of people in the world that don't want these vaccines. And you can call it superstition, you can call it politics, you can call it conspiracy, but there's many scientists and medical professionals that are in that group. So you got to reconcile that with your argument. It's not just a bunch of 
crazy Trump supporters. It's people, all, all kinds of people that, that can see that this is risky and that there's, you know, possibly, you know, nefarious, nefarious motivations. You know, we don't, but the, I understand that some people are just thinking, just get the vaccine, just get the vaccine. I understand that. But, you know, you can't just dismiss these other risks as unimportant. So we're, we're, all, we're all in this, living through this nightmare together. But it's good to remember that God is still in control. In fact, God uses, you know, God allows evil and so he he's not the author of evil he does not do evil but evil people do come up with evil plans and you know i mean look at look at uh, Judas who was one of the disciples of Jesus you know Jesus knew all along that Judas was going to betray him. And, you know, however we explain that in human terms, you know, God knew too. It wasn't like they couldn't do anything to stop it. It was part of the plan. And so is this virus. God could easily stop the, this pandemic but it's part of God's plan. Everything that happens is part of God's plan. Even if he didn't make the, you know, we don't want to like accuse him of evil, but because people do evil. So, you know, the question of why does evil happen is a, is a very difficult one that humans have wrestled with forever. I mean, you can read the book of Job, that's what it's about. And it's a comes down to in the book of Job, you know, I'm God and I do what I think is best and, you know, you can, you lowly humans just don't understand what's going on and that's true. We just don't. But those of us who believe in God who have the Holy Spirit, because we've accepted Jesus, we can have the faith that that comes from knowing that God loves us. He has provided salvation for us so that when, when we die, whether it's from COVID or a car wreck or old age, because we're all going to die. We're all going to die eventually, you know, whether it's what we would consider too soon or it's too late. You know, some old people are laying in beds in nursing homes just begging God to take them. But either way, someday we're going to meet God and we, we believers, we know that it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a wonderful moment 
when we pass from this life into the next life. And, you know, we don't see it now, but plenty of people have gone through near-death experiences and have, you know, even my best friend was dying on a dying in the hospital after childbirth and left her body and was able to see what was going on and hear a conversation that was in the operating room and she you know I can't I don't want to give away all her details but she she went back into her body um but there's you know there's plenty of other stories of people that, you know, they said that being outside their body was a good thing. They, they, well, some people also said that it was a terrifying thing. Now, those people didn't go to hell. They didn't go to heaven. Um, but they did leave their bodies and then they came back. So, you know... Some of them ex- experienced that in a very positive way. They really didn't want to come back to their bodies, to this world. And it's been hard for them because they know something else better is out there. And, you know, that better thing is waiting for us. And that better thing is Jesus. And when we become Christians, we we need to get to know him because we're not becoming, we're not joining a religion. We're we're getting to know our God, and there's a big difference. It's like a relationship. It's a person that you you get to know and that you depend on and that you trust. It's not a set of rules or behaviors or, you know. Uh, a list of do's and don'ts or, you know, okay, now I'm going to try really hard to be a good person or whatever. No, that's, and it's really kind of, you know, hard to put into words. That's why it's like a lifelong walk with God. It's, but the first step is knowing that you can trust him to actually forgive your sins. And then you can trust him to lead you through this life that we're living on earth. And when you go through these trials, I mean, Christians go through terrible trials from, you know, from loss of children to marriages breaking up, you know, pretty much losing your business, terrible diseases, painful cancer, you name it. Christians go through all those things just like non-Christians. But we have our faith and the knowledge that no matter what happens, our sins are forgiven and we are going to be with God someday. And not just that, but that God is God comforts us in those in those trials because he can give us supernatural peace and he has given me that during this this time, you know, yes, I sometimes I feel anxious because I I want to be sure that I'm doing everything 
that I can, you know, and because of my ADD, I don't always like think of what I should do. And I'm aware of that. So it makes me that makes me anxious, like, okay, am I forgetting something? Is there something more I could be doing? Is there, you know, should I, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, it's just a self-doubt. It's not doubt in God. So then I have to remember, okay, ask the Holy Spirit. And every time he tells me what to do, you know, and like one day, I don't think I've talked about this yet. And this was one of the good things that happened. Is um, I had to go up to the hospital. Or maybe I did talk about this. Uh, anyway, I, I needed to take a shower. and I mean, I, I took a shower. And when I was taking a shower, I asked God, what do I need to do next? Because I really didn't know. And I felt him telling me to go to the hospital and lay my hands on my husband and pray for him. And that's, you know, that's not really like a normal thing that we do in our family. Some families that might be common. But I was like, okay, but God, you know, they won't let me in the room. So you're going to have to make this happen. So I went to the hospital. My hair was still wet. You know, I went, I got dressed, went straight there. And it's about a 15 minute, maybe a little more drive because of the construction. And I walked in and I, there was like four people. Okay. This is kind of an interesting thing. There was like four, maybe five people in the nurse's station. The most I've ever seen in there. I mean, there were people in there, like men and stuff. And normally I'm only seeing women in that area. And usually like there's usually one, maybe two people in this nurse's station. Because it's a very small hospital. And I walked in and I said that I, you know, can I just see him for one minute? Because I want to pray over him. And I, you know, basically begged the nurse in front of all those people. And they were all looking at me, you know, like they were listening to what I was saying. And I wasn't thinking about that at the moment. I'm just remembering this now um, that I had this audience. And I don't know what they were thinking, but they heard me saying that I was going to, I wanted to pray over my husband. And they saw the nurse let me go in. And I and I was able to, allowed to go in there. And I hugged him. And he was so weak, he could barely, he was talking like an old man. Like, yeah, I, I can't, uh, you know, he was so weak. And um, I held his hands and I prayed over him. And, you know, it just instantly, you know, put me into a tearful mode that, you know, I never cry. I'm just like kind of not emotional. And, you know, so I, I prayed over him and they let me stay in there for at least, you know, five minutes and I didn't want to push it. 
so I left. But that that really that experience was really amazing and I was just it it really lifted me up and I think it helped him even though at you know at the moment it might have taken him a little while cuz he was kind of out of it but I think it helped and it just made me feel like I was doing what God wanted me to do and it was pretty awesome so yesterday my son and I went up there to take him some more stuff cuz I'm taking him like bottles of emergency, you know, the little packets of vitamin C and vitamins mixed in with water so he can drink them. And I took him a little toothbrush, the kind that are disposable that you don't need water and cuz he hasn't brushed his teeth, you know, this whole time. And they haven't given him a bath or anything, and he's just, you know, gross. He feels gross. So I was taking him that stuff, and we walked in, and basically the nurse, she was like, oh, I wish you I could let you see him. And we're like, oh, can we please just for, you know, just for one minute, can we just... And she's like, well, you can just, you know, if you want to peek your head in the door. And we're like, oh, yes, yes. And then, you know, she was like, okay, well, you know, just don't stay in there too long. I mean, she practically invited us in at the same time that she also said, you know, I'm breaking the rules. I mean, we really did not expect that. But as we were walking up to the hospital, we we prayed, you know, we were like, we we were just asked God that we would be able to go in. And sure enough, he just like opened the door for us. And so we went in and he, my husband was so surprised to see us because this was, you know, a couple of days after I, you know, prayed over him. And we both just hugged him and my son has been super worried about him. So he was really relieved and, you know, he looked a little better and, you know, we both felt relieved to see that he had slightly improved and, you know, we hugged him, we held his hand. So it was awesome. We were able to have a chat. He was actually able to reply a little bit. We, you know, we couldn't let him talk too much. So then when we were, we had to leave, you know, we, we were there like maybe 10 minutes. I don't know. Time, time is really messed up in my mind right now. And also got to talk with the nurse and ask her some questions, so that was good too. But so when we were leaving, I looked over on the wall of the hallway, and I see painted on the wall in huge letters the Serenity Prayer, and I was like, "That's my prayer." That that's my prayer. And it's just like on the wall. You know, I don't know if you know it, but it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And, you know, if you've ever been in any kind of 12-step program or just 
you may have just heard it. That's the prayer for people who who need to let go of things that they can't control. And that's most of us. So the serenity prayers, it's that one and the Lord's Prayer. You should memorize those and, you know, use them whenever you need help. And the Lord's Prayer, I'll just go ahead and say it now because I might forget later, um, you know, is... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I I hope you all know that prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples whenever they asked him how to teach them how to pray. So that was another great thing that happened yesterday. And the other great thing is that I've been reckon, you know, reunited with some family members that I haven't, you know, been able to talk to in a while and that's really been good another good thing is that John's friends have been really supportive his boss has been supportive and hopefully will continue and you know it's just been really good to to find out that people really care about you but the most important thing is this this is growing my faith it's you know every trial you go through can grow your faith if you let it so I'm gonna wrap it up here thanks for listening and I just really hope that everyone will stay well but if they if you don't if you find out you've been exposed and you get a positive test at the first sign of symptoms like headache uh, fever, cough, I just encourage you, even if you've had the vaccine, I encourage you to try to get the monoclonal antibodies, especially if you're over 40. So let's, let's just pray for our country and our world and our leaders and our friends and enemies because that's what Jesus told us to do, that pray for your enemies, pray for people who hurt you and use you. And and that's a supernatural power that is so strong. It's something that the devil cannot, they, you know, it's, it overcomes evil when we pray for our enemies. And it's hard. And that's why we can only do it when we have God's love in us. So listen to Tony Evans' most recent sermons. There's one about brokenness. And I will talk to you again soon. God bless. Bye.
before we go, I just would like to read a verse that is just so good. It's a very well-known verse. It's Psalm 23, and I'll just read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was Psalm 23. And the next one is called is Psalm 24 and this one has been made into a song it's really good I think the song's called King of Glory so here's Psalm 24 the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers who shall ascend the hill of the Lord And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your your heads, O gates, and lift them, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen.